Welcome to One Tired Teacher, episode 217, Five Fundamentals of Launching a Makerspace. So today we are doing a little rerun. You might have noticed that we took a break for two weeks. So hopefully you didn't feel like you missed out on anything. You can always go back and listen to so many past episodes. There's over 200 episodes now. So you can always find something to keep you occupied if you are interested in that or if you need a little taste of my voice, which I doubt you do. (laughs) But just in case, hopefully you had a wonderful 4th of July and you had a great little bit of a break and a little rest. And I'm hoping that you still are because we're still early in July. And so for the next couple of weeks, before I get back to regular our regular scheduled content, I want to take a walk down memory lane with Makerspace. You know how passionate I am. If you have been listening to the show, if you're a friend of the show, you've been listening and you know that I feel very strongly about Makerspace and STEM and the potential that I think that this kind of hands-on discovery, critical thinking, creativity, community building, um, you know, collaborative type of environment, you know how I, what I feel like the possibilities are so endless. And I know that we often feel as teachers, like we just don't have enough time to get anything done. And I totally get that too. But I also know that teaching can be really hard. And one of the things that makes it difficult is that we feel like we don't, we don't have time, but it all, we also feel like we're going against what we know is, is right, what we feel in our heart, what we what we long to see in our students, which is their imaginations going wild and their learning and thinking and their brains just firing. And I think that makerspace can be one of those activities that we put back into our classrooms. And it's learning that feels like play. And it doesn't require a massive amount of space. In fact, it can be portable. So there are so many ways of integrating it. I'm going to be talking about it for the next couple of weeks. So hope you stick around. Welcome to One Tired Teacher. And even though she may need a nap, this teacher is ready to wake up and speak her truth about the trials and treasures of teaching. Here she is, wide awake. Wait, she's not asleep right now, is she? She she is awake, right? Okay. From Trina Debery Teaching and Learning, your host, Trina Debery. Hey, so we're jumping back in and we're talking about Makerspace for the next couple of weeks. But I did want to tell you that this episode is being sponsored by a free Makerspace masterclass that I have. It's everyone or every classroom needs a Makerspace. I talk about five fundamentals of getting started. So it's it's a similar to what you're about to hear, but there's going to be so much more and it is a, it's free and you can come attend and take away all the goodness. It's less than an hour of your time and hopefully you know it's a little you have a little bit more during the summer not that I want to take up a lot of your time I want you to have a relaxing summer but if you're a little interested in how you could get this off the ground and maybe get started on makerspace then I'm offering this free masterclass and you can join if you want more information you can click on the link in the show notes or you can go to Trina Debrie teaching and learning.com forward slash Makerspace class, all one word squished together, Makerspace class. So you can get more information at that link. I hope that you will join in. Now let's get on with our recap, our rerun of episode 31. Hey, so today we're talking about launching a Makerspace and the five fundamental ways 
of launching a sensational makerspace is what I'm going to share with you today. So if you don't know what a makerspace is, a makerspace is a place in your classroom, not just your media center. It can be in your classroom. It should be in your classroom. In fact, I talked about that last week in episode 30, why every teacher should have a makerspace. So check that out so that you know all the reasons why you should have a makerspace because it's just such an amazing spot for kids to discover and create and tinker and imagine, build and make things. So it's a really an essential part of your classroom. And it could be a great center to use in your classroom during during a t- during center time. It can also be, it could be a reward in your classroom. It could be some it could be something that you do as like a soft start of your day, which I think would be really amazing and help some of those high sensory kids and kids that have anxiety in the morning when they first start the day. This would be a really great transition into an academic learning day. All right. So now that you know a little bit about why you should have one, I bet that you're dying to try your own. And if you need a little bit of a refresher, like I said, you can check out my last podcast, episode 30, Makerspace in the Classroom. Everyone needs a makerspace. So Makerspaces don't have to be in a media center. They are great in a classroom. And that doesn't matter if you're in a traditional classroom or you're in a homeschool classroom. Since a makerspace really is a place to create and to build, to wonder and discover, it can be just about anywhere. That's the good news. So this week, I'm going to show you five fundamental ways to launching a sensational makerspace. So number one, you have to immerse yourself in the maker education. That's really important. And I have several blog posts on Makerspace. So you can check, check that out at Trina Devery Teaching and Learning. But I've also read a ton of information about Makerspace. And there's some really good stuff out there. So some of the the resources that I have uh, have found, one of them is Worlds of Making. And this is what Worlds of Making says. A makerspace is a metaphor for a unique learning environment that encourages tinkering, play, and open-ended exploration for all. That's Laura Fleming. I think I shared that one last week too, but I just think that's so powerful. It's such an such an unbelievable way of thinking about a space. And so that's just one resource, Worlds of Making, was the um, article and that is a helpful one. And those all this will be linked in my show notes so you can check out some of those articles, especially like if I like I said last week, if you're doing a PDP or a PGP and you need some evidence or you need some, I do have some scholarly research as well, then you're definitely going to want that so that you can defend your learning of makerspace. Although I, I wish we didn't have to defend that kind of stuff. I think it's it can be such a, a powerful tool to use in our classroom. I don't think we should have to defend it. Um, so anyway, get involved in the makerspace movement because it allows you to see why it is so crucial for children. And it provides a great way, a creative discovery, actually, of experiences. And it allows you to think about how this might play out in some of the spaces that you have, whether it's in a traditional classroom or whether it's in a homeschool classroom. So check out Another thing you can check out is actually my post from Five Reasons Every Classroom Deserves a Makerspace. I have all of the links p- posted on that in that blog post. I did a blog post on that as well. And it gives you all the links to those resources and, and they are just extremely helpful. So go check that out so you can grab those links. 
And I do, I am 100% sold on make on the makerspace movement. And I do believe that it should be part of this grassroots movement that education needs so desperately. If we're going to have any kind of change or any kind of hope for something better in the future, it's going to have to start from the ground and go up. It's going to require teachers doing things differently in their classroom. And I know sometimes it's pushing back on a system that's telling you to do otherwise. And that can be really hard, especially for teachers, because I feel like we are such rule followers. And I, and I'm not, I'm not sure I should even group myself in the into rule followers. I think I follow rules, but when they seem so insane to me, I have a very hard time following along. I have a really I I tend to rebel or push back against things like that. So I do think my personality it makes it not that I would say easy, but it it does make it more of of something that I would tend to do. So if you're not the rebellious type, or you feel like you have to follow exactly what someone says. I understand that pushing back would be very difficult. It's hard. It's hard no matter how you put it. And it is going to, but it is, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take things. And I don't necessarily think that makerspace is going to be the thing that revolutionizes education, but I definitely think it puts us a little bit in the right direction. And I think that that can be, we have to take little steps sometimes to make huge gains. One of my favorite resources for makerspace information is the makerspace playbook. And I think there there are several versions of different PDFs available. And if you just Google it, you will find it. It's extremely helpful. It breaks it down. It's it's an excellent resource. All right. So number one, you need to immerse yourself in maker education. Number two into launching your sensational makerspace is you need to find the right space. So, and this is a section that often overwhelms us as teachers, finding the right space. We Our classrooms may be small to start with. It all depends on where we are. Not everybody has the same size classroom or the same type of space. And I don't want you to get frustrated with that. So sometimes we can just start really simple. And it doesn't even have to be a big undertaking. In fact, I recommend that it not be in the beginning, especially when you first get started with something, because if you if you make it like go big or go home, if you make it like that, you're going to overwhelm yourself. If you have that personality, then go for it. But when I first started or decided to transform a section of my media center, I had really big plans. I was like, go big, go home. I actually wanted to be like the fixer upper of um, media centers. <laughs> I It was so fun, like that part of it. But it ended up being one of the most stressful things that I think I've ever done. Like it was crazy. So it, it definitely included having a makerspace section in the media center. And it was one of my favorite parts. But the it can be really overwhelming. So don't overwhelm yourself. Really start simple. The bottom of line, the bottom line of where to choose a space is you that you can set up for a makerspace is pretty much anywhere. Makerspaces don't have to be permanent. They can be temporary. So it can be something like a table or a cart or in crates or in the corner or in the floor, or even outside. Even if you take a crate of things outside to do your makerspace outside, and to some people that's really appealing because you eliminate a lot of mess. And I've got to tell you, makerspaces get messy. That's a part of learning. So if you don't like that, you're going to have to like try to rein it in as much as you can. And I know it can be tough. So wherever kids gather and want to design, discover, and create, 
It really is that simple. It can be that simple. And whether you already have the space or you know an area that you can adapt or you have to go find it, your space is out there. You just have to look. Okay. I I know for me, I love the whole DIY projects. And yes, I really wanted to be the fixer-upper of media centers. And I've even wanted to be that of my own, of house, of my own house. And I've spent <laughs> months like shiplapping my bedroom wall and my cab or my underneath my sink, my island and my kitchen, my the backsplash of my walls. I built some several barn doors and I've had a lot of fun with that kind of stuff. So I definitely have that in my mind, but it was like the maker in me came out and it was alive. It felt so good. And it actually helped me like unblock some of my creativity and other aspects of my life and work through some of my mini issues. So I highly recommend that you you find that in yourself and you start thinking about that perfect spot. So there's possibility in spaces. You really just have to seek them out. And if transforming a space is totally not your thing, and or let's be honest, you don't have the time. There isn't time to do everything. That's okay. It can be just in a cart or crates, and you can find those for like a couple dollars at the dollar store. Think of how many places in your classroom, in your home, in your area where kids are learning that await a transformation or discovery. The possibilities of spaces and what they might become, that is so exciting. And FYI, it can even be a closet. I had like a makerspace closet in my house for a little while because I was I was building all these makerspace moments in literature, which I which I told you in the beginning, you have a chance to win if you visit me on Makerspace Monday on Facebook for my Facebook Lives. And anyway, so I had a closet where I kept all my supplies so I could like create things and test them out and see how they were going to work. So you can even do it in a closet. It was like a linen closet, but you know, it can be any size. So and use your investigating skills and get a little creative and you've got this. So more ideas for spaces are coming soon. So you might want to join me for the Makerspace Mondays. All right. So number three. So after number one, you've immersed yourself in maker education. Number two, you find the right space. Number three, to the launch is tools and materials. This is where it sometimes gets a little bit tricky and we get a little bit overwhelmed, but we don't have to because there's so many different types of tools that we can use and we that we don't even think about. This is what library as, as incubator project says. Maker spaces are collaborative learning environments where people come together to share materials and learn new skills. They are not necessarily born out of a specific set of materials or spaces, but rather a mindset of community, partnership, collaboration, and creation. Ah, so good. Another one from the Makerspace Playbook. While children have an innate ability to see the creative potential in just about anything, introducing new materials and tools can enable empowering experiences. That said, there's no denying that the materials and tools aspect of Makerspaces can be daunting. The tendency to focus on what you don't have and what you think you need is especially common. So that's something to keep in mind. It's easy for you to be like, well, I don't have, you know, things for coding. I don't have robotics. I don't have a miter saw. (laughs) 
which I would not use in a makerspace unless I was in high school and I was teaching shop and they had gone through all the safety procedures, just FYI. So, um, <laughs> but it, it, it is easy to think about what you don't have. So focus on what you do have. So, and once again, anything goes. Your tools can be very simple or very complex depending on your goal for your space or your making activity. I do have a generic list of tools of makerspace materials. And actually, I will include that. You can grab that as a freebie. I will include that in the show notes. It's a makerspace materials list. And it's kind of just a starting point. It has things like construction paper, copy paper, tissue boxes, cereal boxes, recycled food boxes, popsicle sticks, felt, fabric, glue, and it goes on and on and on. And you can grab that in the no show notes. But just anything like that, these these kind of tools for makerspace, they can include technology, can totally be technology, can be iPads, can be coding activities on the iPad. It can be iPads that are um, apps that help you design things. It can be circuit snaps. They're really fun. Or even those LED lights. Doesn't have to be a big fancy 3D printer, although it can be, but it doesn't have to be. And any, if there's suggestions you have and you want to add, come share them with me on the Makerspace Monday Live. It Tell me tell me some things that you've used in a Makerspace and that you f- have found helpful and useful. Other teachers, I'm sure, would love to hear some suggestions because it really, it really does, sometimes it needs, it's a collaborative effort. We need others to help us think of new ideas. Sometimes I get stuck on things like crayons, markers, scissors, glue. That's not the only thing that's out there. There's so many other creative materials and sometimes they just don't flow off my tongue and I can't think of them in the moment. But once I start brainstorming or others help brainstorm, then can think of all kinds of things. All right, so it's number four to, to launching a makerspace in your classroom or learning space is get others involved, What is which is what I was just talking about. This is such an important one. You need to get others involved and it, it can be so helpful. Even if it's brainstorming with fellow teachers or other homeschool parents or anyone that's going to give you some energy and synergy, that's the key. If you are interested in talking more about this, then come visit my Makerspace Monday Lives on Facebook. You can also start a group. Like, what about a group on Facebook for Makerspace? Like, even the kids could join. Well, and maybe if they're teenagers, because you've got to be at least 13 to be using things like Facebook. But if you get people involved, you get more buy-in. It's easier to think of things. You can set goals. You can design. You can come up with workshop ideas, researching other makerspace programs, like delegating some work or divvying it up so it's not doesn't fall all on one person. Learn from others. Reach out on platforms. Look, go to your groups on Facebook and ask people if they've done a makerspace in their classroom and what kind of things they've used. Search it on Google. These kinds of things are are so transformative. I mean, it makes it like such an unbelievable experience. And when you're ex- and when you're sharing and extending information, when you think of something and you share it in a group or so on, you're sharing it globally. And then you can say, uh, highly effective on sharing my practices. So there you go. And if you know if you know of a compelling makerspace group, then leave a comment and let me know. I want to hear about this. I want to know where there's some other good makerspace groups going on. So get other people involved is very important. Step number five or tip number five or number five <laughs> is build a community of makers and tie it to standards. 
immersing your students in maker activities, it really motivates them to create. Tying maker challenges to standards allows them to learn in this unique discovery type manner. And it also kind of gets the administration off of your back, which is really helpful in a walkthrough. So you want to tie it to standards. It doesn't always have to be STEM. It doesn't always have to be science, technology, engineering, and math, although that is very, that's beneficial as well. And we want to give kids hands-on experiences in these content areas. But it's also important to tie in literature, which is my was my whole point in Makerspace Moments in Literature. It's kind of a merging of two passions. I wanted to bring books and stories with that kind of STEM element, with engineering and adding technology and science and math to literature. It's critical. And and literature, ugh, it just it's so it can be so fun. So Every makerspace moment in literature is based on an easy to find story with some type of like discernible problem. So the the, the kids kind of are really looking at that that funk that stru- that um, text structure. Sorry, I couldn't think that text structure, and they're really thinking about what's the problem in the story and how is it solved. They're, and and they're really focusing mainly on some of the possible solutions to the problem. So the first thing that you do is you come up with a compelling close reading activity. You might look at the vocabulary. You could look at questions from the story. You could analyze point of view. You could do a character study and analysis. You could do um, you know, central theme. There's all the standards, any kind of any standard, whatever book you find that's perfect for the just that just that it like speaks to you and you go, oh, I totally am going to use this for character development. This is such a great story for that. When it speaks to you like that, that makes it even easier. Or whatever is on your roadmap, look at your standard, standards and see what you have to teach for the first quarter. And you go, okay, I have to teach um, questions and answers, you know, asking asking and answering questions. I have to teach character, um, overcoming problems or obstacles. I have to teach vocabulary in literature and I have to teach compare and contrast, comparing and contrasting a story either by the same author or in a like folk tales or fairy tales, like in that genre depends on your grade level. So let's say those are the standards you have to teach. Then you find the books to teach those standards. You do some close reading activities with it like with a makerspace moment in literature and then once you have really and like just immerse them in this literature and this understanding and this deeper thinking and this comprehension work now you can take that problem and you can create hands-on solutions by using like the engineering model engineering thinking like a make creating a model in order to represent your solution maybe you would, could improve upon the solution that the character actually came up with those that's an engineering type thinking so that makes your literature standards it makes them come alive and it makes it so much more engaging and the kids have to they have to think through these problems so also if you are interested in makerspace moments in literature i have a ton of them done for various books like what do you do with a problem and um, a whole bunch of seasonal makerspace moments in literature grumpy santa which is a, is a really fun one or monster house which making monster houses is was so so fun so i have a whole variety so you can check those out i'll link to those in my show notes as well but either way 
you can do it. You can take your own book. You can create close reading activities. You can create something for your kids to have to solve, a problem they have to solve, and they are creating it with a hands-on solution. So let me know how it goes in the comments or what you're thinking for even in the beginning of the year. Oh, and I do have a back to school makerspace moment in the literature with um, first day blues. So fun. All right. So that's it for how to launch a makerspace in your classroom. We have a little bit more to talk about makerspace and then we will be moving on. But I just love this topic. I hope that you're enjoying this series. It's like a little mini series. I want to quickly review the steps to launching a makerspace in your classroom. And step number one is immersing yourself in maker education. Number two, find the right space in your learning in your learning environment. Number three, gather tools and materials. Number four, get other people involved. It'll make a huge difference. And number five, build a community of makers. Get those kids excited and tie it to standards. And there you go. Okay. So don't miss Monday live on Facebook, Trina Debery, Teaching and Learning. And um, join me for that. I'd love to give away a free makerspace moment in literature. And I will see you soon. And if you're feeling it, go ahead and leave a rating, review, and or comment. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. I'd love to have you listen every week. So this one tired teacher is ready for a long summer's nap. Until next time, sweet dreams and sleep tight. <music>